Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 16 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and this is a day, I am beginning to lose track of the days, that's not good, but uh, day (laughs) two, I guess this is podcast, episode two of our quarantine edition. Um, Yes, we are still on lockdown because of the spread of COVID-19, of course, but we're still here to give you guys some fun distraction, and uh, because of the nature of what's going on in the entertainment business, we're going to be making some fun little changes to the show, starting right now. But with me today is my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What up? We've brought back the queen of anime herself. I'm here. And we have a special international guest today. But before I introduce him, like, let me just give... This is another kind of point in the show where we should probably stop for a little origin story. So I'm going to give you guys a little origin story. So uh, back when I got in this game working for uh, another site, you know, I had just started... And I had come to the kind of maker of that site, and I had said, like, you know, this whole theory about how we could maybe do these entertainment sites a little bit different. Uh, People was all about kind of, like, scoops and access and all that stuff. And it was just like, you know, people, fans like to speculate. They like to have fun. They like to talk about what could happen in movies and shows and comics. And we began kind of pushing that writing. Well, as soon as I began doing that, like, it wasn't like a half second went by before we started getting this guy in our comments and man, this dude was in our comments, like leaving, I mean, entire articles of like theory about Marvel and DC and all this kind of stuff. And he was just, I mean, pure, just like scripture he was writing out here. And finally, we just looked at enough of these and we're like, why are we just treating this guy like a super fan? Like, why don't we just hire him? And so he thought he was getting into business or something like that. But, uh, you know. <laughs> We vastly changed the direction of his life right then and uh, brought him on board to do uh, what he was already doing as a fan for us, and uh, he's never looked back ever since. And now you guys in the industry all know him as Mr. Rob Keys from Screen Rant. Oh, thank you. It's been way too long, and thanks, Kofi. You almost ruined my uh, master's degree in economics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we started, hey, I was in grad school too, and then we were just out on the street hustling, trying to drop Batman 3 theories as The Dark Knight Rises was known back then. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, X-Men 4, baby. It's coming. X-Men 4, <laughs> yeah. It's all happening. I remember those days. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. But, uh, yeah, Rob Keys is here because, like I said, we're all on lockdown or quarantine. The entertainment industry is kind of going through a state of flux just like everything else in the world. And 
while it's kind of disappointing to hear that like we're not getting Black Widow and all these other big movies that we were waiting for when we thought we were getting them or even if we don't have knowledge of when we are getting them, it does kind of bring us back to our roots of where kind of like Rob and I got into this game and, you know, what made it fun for us in the beginning because now we can get back and speculate and just theorize and talk with other fans about this stuff because, like, that's all we got to do right now, people. So I thought we'd kick it off today in the show about doing that and bring Rob on because he's so good at it and especially about the MCU. And we talk about a subject that's kind of always been popular ever since Avengers Endgame, which is who should be the next MCU big bad? So we're going to start off with a discussion about that, but we're also going to talk about what's coming to streaming in April. We got Netflix, we got Disney Plus reveals today, so we got some stuff that we might want to check out and that you guys should be on the lookout for. And we're going to talk about some big things happening in anime, plus Megan's going to be here to provide a guide. You know, we've been providing guides for everybody to kind of watch, and everybody's doing that right now, but I mean, you don't get it right until you get it from the queen of anime herself, so Megan's going to sit there, <laughs> you guys down, and tell you how to maybe break into this anime game while you have all the free time in the world to actually watch an anime, which can take forever, so... Now that Forever is here, we're going to talk about that, and we're going to get into something, uh, our continuing discussion of Batman comics this week, because, yeah, me and Matt are kind of still hunkered into this whole new Batman thing and how it compares to the old, plus Matt's played the Resident Evil 3 demo. Rob, I didn't know if you've played mm-hmm. it also. It's terrifying. I played it this morning. Yeah, did, did you like it? We'll get hey, 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 hey. Well, we got to save it. Yeah, 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 we got to save it. But I'm going to talk about whoa, that whoa, hot whoa. topic, too. I'm so, so we'll excited, guys. No, I've not played it, but I, I did a run-through with my guy who... who did, uh, played it for us this morning all right so we're going to talk about that and give you guys some impressions which means we got to get started with all of this so back up at the top let's talk about the mcu uh we're after avengers endgame we're into marvel phase four we got a lot of crazy movies of kind of varying types coming out um i was breaking this down in an article the other day you know we got these very kind of grounded spy espionage action projects coming our way black widow uh falcon and the winter soldier Then we have these kind of obviously very out there and kind of cosmic things happening with uh, Eternals, Thor, Love and Thunder. And then somewhere in between, we have this weird multiverse traversing threats type deal happening with a combination of WandaVision, Loki and uh, Doctor Strange in the multiple multiverse madness. Oh, I forgot Shang-Chi is also in that kind of crime espionage type thing that they're kind of doing. So we've been kind of thinking of if that's very kind of different parts to this MCU story arc in phase four and what could pull it together, not just in phase four, but beyond um, what kind of big bad would take that Thanos role. That's been a kind of common discussion in the fandom. And uh, it's been no secret on here that I've, you know, I've been wearing the tinfoil hat of this or tinfoil helmet of this Kang the Conqueror theory ever since Endgame dropped. Uh, I did a whole article about why he's actually the best, Marvel villain for this kind of arc, this new saga that's beginning, um, for both just the grounded sides and kind of the bigger cosmic multiverse sides. Just to give you like a quick run through, it basically works out because I've come to it again and again that like Kang is a character who's multiple characters in one. Um, he has all these alter egos and personas that he's taken on at different points as his life as this kind of time traveler, uh, whether it's the 
kind of heroic Iron Lad, young when he's a young man, young of who forms the Young Avengers. You know, the main Kang the Conqueror, time traveling warlord persona. His older persona as war as a uh, Mortis, this kind of scholar and guardian of sorts of time. And Rama, Tut, even Rama Tut, when he becomes the pharaoh in Egypt and inadvertently causes all of mutantum by inspiring Apocalypse's rise in Egypt, you know, way back and influencing the fan and his ties, of course, to the Fantastic Four, Doctor Doom, all that stuff. So I've said, you know, looking beyond just phase four and into phase five, to me, Kang is a great villain who can pull all those sides together. And it doesn't even have to be about Kang. The real villain in all this, I kind of said and pitched, would be Immortus, this kind of a different kind of villain for the Marvel Universe. Thanos was this kind of crazy warlord thing. So it would be kind of easy to get people to believe that they're just repeating the same thing with Kang before pulling the whole curtain back to reveal this whole kind of immortus thing this connection and making him kind of a bigger bad for this and not necessarily a bad but a guy who's after the events of endgame trying to basically hold like a multiverse that the avengers inadvertently kind of effed up together and pulling strings and causing all these different events that would build over phase four and five into a kind of a larger saga so that was my pitch but i thought uh have you guys been following this what did you guys think about it and like what you know what say you do you agree with kang do you have other theories let's talk about it and uh let's throw it over to the back to the beginning of things uh rob keys how are you feeling about all this yeah that's a good pick i think uh this brings me back i think you and i had chats like internally about kang way back in the day and we were joking about fantastic four and how they could fit in and timelines and stuff like that uh when it was first being teased in the mcu so yeah i'm with you although what I debate internally, like in my head, is whether or not we're going to see an Infinity Saga style build up to another super overarching villain, villain like, like Thanos. What I think is going to happen is as the MCU continues to expand, so too will the battlefields they fight on. So whereas before the Guardians were like the answer to space or cosmic villains, now we're going to have multiple fronts just in that respect. And you can apply that to every part of the MCU as we get more Disney Plus shows and more movies per year and you're folding in the Sony stuff. Now we get the Fox stuff eventually as well. So yeah, I think with Endgame delving straight into the timeline part of it, it would be foolish to say the Avengers knew what they were doing messing with time and there will be consequences for that. So yes, everything you said I think will hold true. I think that's a great background player to set up to something bigger. Uh, but also I would have said, you know, if you talked to Scott Derrickson a few years ago, he would have said Dormammu, more of that and more interdimensional villains and more mystic based movies or spinoffs in the future. Right. And then on, now that we have Fox in the fold, if you talk to James Gunn, he's going to tease Annihilus and the Annihilation wave, what that means for new iterations of the, of the Guardians. You know what I mean? And that also plays in the timeline. So you could do a lot there. And then, you know, that introduces Adam Warlock and the Church of Universal Truth and his evil twin. And then on the ground level side, you're going to have other fights that are so not on that scale, but equally as important from a character perspective, right? We're building slowly towards the Sinister Six and the Spider-Man front. There's going to be more corrupt organizations like the Ten Rings with uh, Shang-Chi in production, the real Ten Rings, I should say. Uh, you know, we could even get Hammer trying to replace what was once S.H.I.E.L.D. in the MCU. And you get maybe an Osborn in there. Maybe you get the Dark Avengers in there. And of course, going back to space, Captain Marvel sequels and stuff like that, we're going to get a lot more Kree and Scroll stuff. And if we do get real Scroll stuff, everyone's going to say the word secret invasion, which means that's also affecting the cosmic side and the ground level side. So I think you're going to have a lot of different smaller team-ups to deal with these threats. And then what would bring a lot of them together or most of them together and introduce new players like Dr. Doom or someone like that would be what you just said. For sure, Kang is one of the 
biggest bads they haven't even touched yet. So I'm with you on that front. So you're kind of saying that you, do you think the MCU has gotten too big to ever pull off like a, a simple Thanos Infinity Saga storyline ever again? I think the next equal sized, uh, you know, mega crossover events will be something like a two part Infinity War Endgame scenario. But I think the next thing on that level will be beyond that will be like the next mega team up, something like something that will bring Marcus and McFeely and the Rousseau's back. And that would be some sort of secret wars where like you introduce a bunch of new battles that are mid-sized. And I say mid-sized. These are the biggest movies in the world. Mid-sized compared to Endgame, let's say. A couple of those with with, with smaller team-ups and including new characters and all of those, which we're going to start seeing, I think, on Disney Plus with these Marvel Studios TV shows. And then beyond that, whether it's a phase five, phase six thing or beyond, I think you're going to get something like the Battle World from Secret Wars. And that is the easy way to kind of bring in everything again with someone else pulling the cards you know maddie i know you're over there weigh in on this what do you think uh yeah i mean i i i agree with a lot of that i don't think we're to the point where i mean i think i still think there's plenty of storylines and like events that you can build up to if it's done right like like annihilus on its face like annihilation is the one that i want mostly because i feel like the next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe will be adding in a lot more of the cosmic stuff. So, I mean, with the Fox deal, Silver Surfer, uh, Fantastic Four, Negative Zone, all of that comes into play. Uh, Blastar, I mean, I can't, I mean, you know, a couple years ago, I felt like seeing a MCU Blastar would be like a thing of, <laughs> like, that would never happen. And now that's probably going to happen. Um, so, like, that whole side of the universe, you can do so much with that, even from an end game perspective like what end game set up like you can open up that whole toy box we've already had some of the foundations set for warlock we've already had the foundation set for nova uh we've already had the foundation set for a lot of those characters and i feel like while these other ground level and magic and supernatural mystical things will all play their own parts uh in whatever next event that is i feel like for the big players in this space i feel like space has to be where like it all stems from. So, I mean, I feel like all the big players coming up will have uh, a giant part if you do it via around a cosmic thing like the Annihilation Wave. I feel like that would encompass everything because like, like he said, right? You can have a ground level fight going on on Earth because of Fallout or because of they're trying to target whatever, right? I mean, Foggy's really good about taking bits and pieces from all these storylines and making them into one cohesive thing. So I feel like you can have all these elements be different lines of defense, but ultimately I feel like the focus, it would be smart to focus on the cosmic side of things. And if that's the case, Annihilus to me is a no brainer because you can build him up over several movies and you need those movies to set him up because you have to introduce some other things. So it's a good long play for him. I feel like 10 years would be like a great long play to set because if they just pop him up now no one's going to care because no one's going to know have any kind of context or reference uh so i feel like that plus i just want nova yeah, i think <laughs> so. So, so does your boy i mean Brendan true Davis, i think right? all of us want nova yeah i want yeah. nova and darkhawk well, and this is the best way for me to get them so yeah that's, okay that's so now we get to the truth matt you really yeah it's darkhawk it's darkhawk that's the entire man. play the Raptors are sick when they're done right. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I feel like that's the best way to go. I feel like you can still, though, work in Kang. Um, honestly, after Kang, I feel like the, the biggest villain is to me, Dr. Doom. Like, I feel like that's the next Thanos level 
villain because Kang is really complex and he's very easy to screw up. And so is Dr. Doom, as we've seen in like three different movies. But <laughs> I feel like he's the next big, I want to see Marvel take him on and do him right. And you can build an Earth-based story around him after whatever cosmic event comes next. That's That would be my pick. All right. Megan, did you want to weigh in anymore? I mean, yeah, I'm just kind of like, obviously, this is such like a big conversation to have about the next big villain. Because I've always been a big proponent of of it being King. I mean, they've they've already... S- like sowed so many of those seeds that we could start to pull out with, especially of the loose, you know, ties that came out in Endgame. I mean, I too, like Matt, would love to see Annihilus, but I just feel like that is just such a long play for them because they've gotten all these properties now that they can do that story justice. But I mean, I'm I'm just curious to know. I mean, it's Kevin Feige, so like I just expect that he's playing this out for a hundred years in the future, and he'll live, leave it in his will at some point. So like, I'm sure there's like a plan coming for that, but I just I just have a really difficult time thinking that it'll be next. Personally, if it was me, I would love to see Doctor Doom because I'm just like a huge Fantastic Four fan. But I just know that's in no way, shape, or form going to be able to work out timeline wise. And so I think everything you were saying about you know, Kang coming in and being able to like fill in, you know, these smaller skirmishes, both in the cosmic worlds and then also on earth as well, um, would be a really great way to kind of sew that in. And mainly I'm just going to be curious to see the way in which, uh, this next big bad, you know, say Kang is brought in because the way that they teased Thanos, obviously, I mean, it's such an iconic way that the MCU did it. Um, it's, I'm just really curious to see how he comes in when that, whatever villain it is, whatever that post-credit scene might be, I mean, everyone's just going to lose their minds. So I'm excited either way, but I'm thinking it's probably Kang. Obviously, we're not going to get to the bottom of this today, so we're not going to get too crazy down the rabbit hole. And we have plenty of content, I'm sure, on two sites for you guys to read. If you want to check out about where these theories are going, uh, Brandon Davis will do a whole dissertation about the Nova Theory himself. So you guys can check that out. Uh, we're going to keep it moving. And be sure to hit us up at the hashtag Comic Book Nation and let us know what you guys want to see in the next MCU Big Bad. All right. So let's move on to Netflix and Disney Plus and uh, kind of what we got coming for streaming in uh, the near future of April. Oh, it seems so far away, doesn't it? But April. I know. <laughs> but uh, yeah. As I said, now that movie theaters are shut down and TV productions are shut down, we have streaming to rely on here. So, as always, we're going to start with uh, just a little bit of Netflix, and we'll just do it real quick and kind of go around the room. Um, Everybody, if you've had a chance, there's a link in the show notes if you want to do it last minute, you slackers, and uh, tell me (laughs) just kind of what you're looking forward to in April. I'll start off. I feel like Netflix is doing us a real favor as consumers right now because this month seems unusually stacked in good movies for real there's a lot of good stuff in here i mean from nostalgic stuff from like van damme blood sport or cheech and chong can't hardly wait to or killer clowns from outer space the lethal weapon quadrilogy to some solid just like all-time good hits you got minority report with tom cruise the original mortal combat of course uh yeah the matrix re- uh, the oh matrix gosh. trilogy <laughs> is coming um and appropriately enough the social network will be back on uh that's gonna be hilarious to watch right about now and uh the hangover all of which i'm very much looking forward to i'm also kind of looking forward to some of the comedy stuff that's coming out uh, i need some laughs right now and uh liza schleslinger i can never say her name Schlesinger? correctly. yeah yeah 
She's, she's, she's awesome. a kind of sketch comedy show that I'm going to be interested to see. Khalees is hosting a cooking with cannabis show, <laughs> which is coming out on 420 <laughs> all day. So random. Uh, yeah, right? Like, oh yeah. Oh, God. But uh, so that's going to be happening. And I'm kind of be, that's a great one for the 420 kids because, I mean, what else are they going to do? Um, and I'm interested to see how this kind of, you know, Kenya Barris and Rashida Jones are te- teaming for Black AF. And I'm kind of interested to see what that's going to be all about, too. So that's me on the Netflix front. Um, I'm if they've stacked this up purposefully for us because, you know, of the current social situation, I would like to applaud Netflix for giving us. Yeah, that's really nice of them. That's a nice. Yeah, like uh, a, I mean, that's a good solid month of hits and just the stuff that we're getting that we've seen before. That's not even all the original stuff. And there is quite a bit of original stuff of uh, varying degrees coming out. So. Yeah, I'm excited for uh, uh, as far as the originals go. Uh, there's two WWE ones that are gonna be kind of fun. Uh, I don't know if anyone here watches Miz and Miss on USA, but like it's one of my favorite shows. <laughs> I love that show. Uh, so it. it's awesome. I love it. Uh, so uh, <laughs> it's the Big it. Show show is coming to Netflix, which is essentially like that. Did catch my eye. I was yeah. like. What do you? What do we got left to lose, though? So might as well. It's it's fun. Like okay, here's the thing. It can either go two ways because it can either be uh, the Bella Twin show, which is terrible and so overdramatic and ridiculous, or it can be like Ms. and Miss, which is like wink and nod, genuinely funny at times, just because of the of the little family that's there. Like it's actually genuinely funny. So it can either be one of two things. I'm hoping it goes to the latter. Uh, there's also a new original film called The Main Event. Uh, which also has the Miz. There's a running theme. Um, and then uh, that one actually has Kofi Kingston. Your boy uh, is going to be in there. Uh, it's been, uh, essentially about a ten year old uh, boy who like finds a lucha mask and like is able to become like a superhero and like a wrestler and like it's this kind of fun live action family movie. So I mean, perfect for like this time, uh, especially if like the family can't really leave the house and stuff. Like it's actually perfect timing. But I'm actually stoked for this. All right, Megan. All right. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, there's going to be anime coming to Netflix, so I got to talk about it. The thing I'm most excited to see, and it's actually a a really big conversation within the anime fandom right now, is that so a new, uh, the new season that of Pokemon the series Sun and Moon is coming to Netflix. And so usually these kind of announcements, you know, Netflix, you know, really publicizes along with Disney XD as that is the kind of traditional network uh, cable channel that hosts uh, the Pokemon series when it airs weekly um, because there is a new anime series out. We have no idea where it's airing. So the fact that Netflix is kind of sliding in this announcement of the new season coming in uh, without you know much fanfare from Disney is very interesting. Fans are curious if that means that the new Pokemon series will be coming. So if you are interested in catching up on the Sun and Moon anime, which I highly recommend, you're going to be able to see seasons one through three now. Besides from The Matrix, which Kofi already mentioned, because, of course, I'm going to be excited about that. There's also this reality show, which um, one of my writers here that works with me, uh, Nick Valdez, tweets about all the time. And it's called Terrace House. And so it's basically this, like, reality show, like, in Japan and Tokyo. And it follows, like, like six different people at, like, different times, like, in different works of life, like, all living together. And they wind up, like 
dating and like they are like living together for a very long time like it's not like a lot of shows here where it's like you know a couple months maybe six months you know some of the newer shows go longer but like these people are still living together and there's like six seasons and a movie based on this reality show (laughs) so like i'm deeply invested in this so if you want to go down a rabbit hole definitely recommend terrace house there's plenty to watch and binge and it's not quite as salacious as like you know love is blind (laughs) here in america but terrace house definitely nice it's very easy to watch like seven episodes while you're working so i definitely recommend (laughs) why am i not surprised that nick watches that oh my gosh it's so funny (laughs) like he has so much like to say like he'll be on if anyone you anyone who's listening find nick valdez on twitter and just like search his commentary on terrace house after you see this it's like when uh when bachelor hits and i live tweet yes it's very much that that's pretty great oh my god (laughs) (laughs) isolation's already driving us mad i did that that before isolation Uh, don't admit that (laughs) don't admit that rob keys didn't leave you out but uh you're over in canada buddy so we did you're net you you always have like you guys have like souped up netflix every time i go up there you guys have like crazy stuff that hits yeah it's true a lot of the deals like you see a lot of shows leaving netflix for disney plus but because of deals they're still here like we still have like you know, solo a Star Wars story and a bunch of Marvel movies and stuff that you don't get in other countries. So, we, and certainly on the TV front, we could be benefit a lot too. But a lot of these, obviously, all the original content is the same. But a lot of these movies are also coming out here. But uh, I think you guys are right. I feel like because Netflix beefed up their fall lineup to compete with Disney Plus, like you know, they had The Witcher, then Altered Carbon, Lost in Space, Final Space, and so many other original movies and and shows to me, which were like dominating the streaming services. Now I feel like they're relying on older content. Like you can just tell from looking at this list of movies and TV shows. But if I were to make some recommendations, one of my favorite movies of all time, Minority Report, you mentioned that one, Kofi, that's on here. That's a must watch Tom Cruise classic. Uh, and some other amazing hits are Django Unchained, Road to Perdition, and even Salt, which is kind of a... Oh, dude, I love Salt. So good, right? It's I, so good. I, I always regret them not making a sequel and they, there were a lot of talks about that because that was really successful for Angelina Jolie and a really good hit when it came out um, and then on the TV front like a great isolation or put in the background fun show is Community of course and I would be remiss if I didn't mention Kim's Convenience season 4 it's a Canadian show uh, starring our boy Shang-Chi Simu Liu uh, who lives 20 minutes from me so shout out to Simu um, that's a, it's a really fun light show as well if you haven't seen it alright That'll do it for uh, Netflix. Uh, I haven't really gotten a chance to survey the Disney Plus picks. Does anybody have anything out there they wanted to highlight? Uh, Yes. I know Matt and Megan do. (laughs) Go for it. You two, you know what? You know what? Live your best life in this isolation days. Um, Megan, go first. No, no, Matt. I need to see you. You immediately came out with that. With that excitement, I need Lambert to the sheepish lion is yes, on Disney Plus. Yes, I was going to say that too. Is <laughs> on oh Disney Plus. My God, <laughs> I was going to say that too. Matt, I am very much giving you a quarantine high five right now. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that and I literally had to scroll back up because I thought, no way, they did not pull out that deep cut. That's like if Cardiac popped up on like <laughs> an animated show and they were like, oh, this was like from 1992. What anyway? Uh, that's amazing. So, uh, that one. And then, uh, for, if you're looking for like a family thing, uh, Sunday with a chance is like, yes, yes. we are on the same wavelength right now. (laughs) This is terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. But I think we both know what the most important thing is. I'm going to go walk outside to lower my terror. (laughs) I think, I think we all know what the most important addition is, Matt. Yes. On April 30th. 
national treasure. I, I, I did spot that. I mean, that is Good a big call. deal. That's Good a big call. deal. I mean, come on. It's 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 a gimme. I'm going to make my kids sit down and watch on, that, actually. It's a great yeah, movie. As soon as that comes on, I'm watching it. There's no and, if, ors, or buts. Like, yes, I'm going to be watching Clone Wars. We still got that going on. Wait, I was going to say, hold up. Soon. Pause for a minute. Pause for a minute. I lied because I was scrolling through finally doing my homework like I was supposed to. Like, And I just saw, yeah, April 24th is going to be like my Star Wars gasm day because Clone Wars has gotten to the real meat of this last season. The Phantom yes. Apprentice. Just listen to this synopsis. Ahsoka and Republic forces confront Maul on Mandalore. What? Uh. <laughs> oh, my God. There's so many things. That's, 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 that's like prequel trilogy. Clone Wars. Rebels, Mandalorian goodness, all coming together in this one episode with my girl Ahsoka Tano. So uh, I will be living for that. Yes. Yes. And it's a, it's since there's this time. rare opportunity, I will be sitting my kids down to watch National Treasure and tell them that that is real American history. And <laughs> and I don't know. There's not even the schools around to tell me any different. So why yeah, not? Yeah, no one can correct them for a little bit. I applaud <laughs> you. Yep. Yep, so that's me. Rob? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think for me, uh, look, if you have a 4K TV and you have Disney+, Plus, you need to be watching some of the National Geographic programming. It's a bit of a personal passion project of mine, reading and trying to work with National Geographic, but if you haven't seen it, to start. Um, I wouldn't watch this one with kids, but watch Hostile Planet. It's some of the most beautifully shot and amazing the, the visual storytelling of what they do in this documentary is insane. Uh, and they actually brought in an Oscar-winning uh, cinematographer Guillermo Navarro who's worked and he's won an Oscar actually working with uh, Guillermo de Toro to try to make a story out of the visuals with this thing and it just shows you how crazy some of the places and animal species are in this world and then uh, the other one which is I think getting from what I hear a bit of an uh, additional content for the Disney Plus release is One Strange Rock which is hosted uh, by Will Smith and it also shows you some of the most amazing and weirdest places on earth uh, and includes like basically each episode they, they partner with uh, an aquanaut or an astronaut to show you like the craziest places on earth that match the craziest places in space and on other planets and again the most gorgeous visuals you will see anywhere on any streaming service are those two shows so easy recommendations if you want to have your mind blown wow rob got all like educational and serious with it that's canada for you right look, there. i'm trying to look you gotta enjoy the world for what it is before we all disappear <laughs> i mean that's a good point we should probably actually and if you're homeschooling that's just as good i mean that's a nice in between between just plopping your kids in front of the tv and homeschooling so totally a there's a lot of programming they're adding right now because of that Yep. All right. Good suggestion. Canada. Keeping it sensible. All right. That'll do it for our news, quote unquote, flash segment, which is just really a deep dive segment. So now when we come back, we're going to go even deeper into our deep dive segment. And we're going to talk about anime guides for this whole kind of lockdown situation. We're going to talk a little Batman. And we're going to talk some Resident Evil. So be sure to tune in. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. 
Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right, and now that we came back, I told people to tune in like we were done, and this was a promo, but I meant stick with us. I hope you didn't, like, tune out and something, but uh, if you're still here <laughs> with us, I'm going to throw it over to uh, Megan, because Megan's going to break down what you should be doing to kind of get better acquainted with anime in this time when you have, you know, plenty of free time on your hands to sit down and kind of binge through an entire saga. And uh, then me and I, myself and probably Megan, too, are going to probably go in a little bit on some manga. So, uh, Megan, as the anointed queen of anime, what what's the roadmap here? So, obviously, there's a lot of anime going around right now. You can watch it. There's so much of it. And the unfortunate part for watching anime on your daily routine is that anime series, they tend to be a little bit long. So if you're needing to kind of fill some space during this uh, shelter-in-place quarantine, we do have some recommendations. My first recommendation to you is going to be One Piece. This might be one of the only times in your life that you are at home forcibly long enough to watch, if not all of the show, then most of it, because there are over 900 episodes. Unfortunately, it is not on Netflix right now, but it is available on Hulu as well as um, Crunchyroll, which you could watch for free with advertisements if you do not have a subscription. If you want to kind of streamline your watching of the anime, One Piece does have specials for its first few arcs. So instead of watching, say, 20 episodes for the East Blue Saga, you can just watch like an hour-long movie. And they're great. They're all redone in high definition. Highly recommend those. Obviously, it will be in the conversation in the future as Netflix is doing a live action adaptation of One Piece. So the next recommendation I have is Cowboy Bebop. It is not quite as long as One Piece since that's like 900 episodes. Um, but Cowboy Bebop is considered one of the best anime series, um, if not just one of the best TV shows out there that you can watch. Um, it is available on most streaming platforms, given its ubiquitous popularity. Um, it deals with a lot of messy themes, which I think is something we can all kind of relate to right now. And it's not overly sugar-coated, but it's not horrifically depressing, so you're not going to be too depressed while watching it. Um, obviously, we need a bit of lighted our lives given the situation and this does have some great action sequences uh great animation and you'll understand why it's considered one of the greatest after you watch it um i've had a lot of fans actually come to me well not even fans i'm sorry i've had a lot of non-fans come to me and also say uh they're taking the plunge into dragon ball z right now which mm. you know i kind of thought about it if you're just gonna go like blow through z kai and you're like a casual fan like a, a newcomer this would be a good time for that i mean there's dragon ball super obviously that people see much more of right now with the blue-haired as you know rich would say like red-haired goku blue-haired goku silver-haired goku and all of that but um yeah if you've never really gotten into dragon ball i would recommend just going to the one that really made it blow up in the first place and going back to dragon ball z just because if you've been like embedded in fan culture but you haven't really shifted into anime you've probably heard a ton of stuff that references dragon ball z to the point where you're just like oh, okay what is all this so you know now's a good time to check it out 
Um, when you really get into it, Dragon Ball Z is like a soap opera for like action lovers and kind of sci-fi action lovers, and it really does work well. And it works well when you can binge it because we used to have to wait like entire days for those episodes to kind of drop when they were kind of like syndicated here on Toonami. Or, like, you know, weeks when they first started airing and, like, when I kind of first was growing up in the 90s. So, yeah, you might want to check out that. And or if you've seen Dragon Ball Z or stuff and you want to make the jump, you can just go uh, to Dragon Ball Super and get into the current conversation. Personally, I think you can just watch... I mean, Megan always says you can watch the movie Battle of Gods and Resurrection F. That'll get you past the first seasons. Uh, you can start with the Future Trunks saga and stuff like that if you want, but... I would also just start with some of the tournaments, like Tournament of Destruction and things, because it's pretty straightforward in Super. There's a lot of these big tournaments, and there's people from all over other dimensions in the galaxy, and they're kind of like the real big selling point of Dragon Ball Super, the tournaments, the different characters, the power-ups, all that stuff. So I would check that out, too. All right, on the manga side. So I wanted to just do a quick PSA for manga, because uh, Megan kind of got me into this. She slowly but surely has been coercing me to go down this path of life and i had picked up manga like when i was just growing up in the 90s when i was a comic book collector and all that stuff but i never really hit it that hard now i've gotten into it because digitally it's just like so much easier to keep up with i think it's great to read on tablets and once you get over the whole like uh right to left reading which i've told you megan you've ruined me because now i read like that all the time i have to like tell myself when i'm reading american things to like do it the other way and reading American comics, I get messed up all the time. But uh, I've gotten into it. It's and I would recommend that right now because manga is it's it's less kind of academic and more leisurely than reading a book. But there's manga just has kind of these sagas that are in some ways more engrossing than the American comic books. And that's not a knock. I still flip between Shonen Jump app and Comicsology all the time reading both kinds, but I'm saying when these times when you're going to be like in isolation for a long time, manga is kind of like reading a book or a novel in the way it's laid out, more so than the kind of like episodic soap opera kind of changing tides of uh, a comic book with new creative teams and all that stuff. So if you want to get engrossed in something right now and kind of escape and have it and get really good fulfilling story from it, I would select manga for that and to check that out and try it. Um, I think a couple I would recommend. I'm reading The Promised Neverland right now. That's a very good, easy one to kind of do as a binge read because it is just this one big saga that about, and I'm not going to tell you what it's about if you've never seen it. And it involves a bunch of kids growing up in a house together, and that's all I'm going to tell you. Um, but it becomes something much bigger and kind of scary, sci-fi-ish, and has this kind of really good character core and mystery, and has this really good, it's a page turner, and so I would check that out. Um, Demon Slayer is another one yeah, that is equally as good on the page as it is in the in the anime form. Boruto and Naruto, if you find those anime or have heard about them and they look silly to you, they uh, Boruto is probably the one where there's the biggest discrepancy between the manga and the anime. The anime is a lot sillier and kind of childlike. The manga is really kind of gritty and a lot more edgy ninja action and it's a great read and the same kind of holds true for dragon ball what they do in the anime to make it more appealing as an animation you don't necessarily have to deal with all that and all the silly filler and all that in the anime and the weighted and people's grunting for five minutes while powering up and all that you don't have to do all that 
Dragon Ball on the anime page is just a martial arts kind of sci-fi action thing that's a lot edgier than what you see on the anime screen. So if you've not gotten into anime, ironically enough, and I know it's a cliche and I sound like one of those guys from the fandom, but reading the manga can really maybe help you get into the other side of the format. If what's putting you off from the anime format is kind of the, you know, the silly sections, the filler, the overdramatic stuff, like, like I said, manga is the leaner, meaner version of that with the same great kind of storytelling and character arcs. So check that out. And oh my God, how did I not say My Hero Academia? I'm really failing at this. But uh, yeah, still the best superhero saga going on right now. I say every chance I get, be sure to check that out as well. So we'll move right along while Megan's getting her tech together. Uh, Maddie. Yo. You're there. Good, you're still there. So real quick, <laughs> let's continue our, uh, you never know, isolation. I have no idea what's going on. You guys could just be like giving me the finger and walking out of the room. I have no clue. And that sounds just, like a diva move you would pull. Just assume that. Aguilar. I was going to say, just go, yeah. that goes without saying. I don't. So uh, <laughs> real quick, we don't have a lot of time, but, uh, and we got to get to Resident Evil, but um, Batman 91. So we're still coming through this, uh, their dark design storyline, which is like what, our, prelu- our prelude to the Joker War? Or is this, is Joker War coming right after this? Or is there like... Is that further down the pike? I forget how this is all structured. This is so. This is actually it's kind of weird because this is really a a prologue storyline, so to speak. So yeah, Joker War is a is a thing that this is building up to, um, even though it's not really structured, kind of like typical prologues are. Um, but yeah, this is supposed to really be like you kind of need to read this before Joker War gets started. So we last time we were you and I were talking because uh, we got this big reveal in issue 90 about who this new villain is the designer and basically what his power set was and we had been kind of souring on this new storyline uh from james tinian the fourth uh because we had really liked tom king and what he had done with batman and this kind of like weird modern retro feel to it but like the kind of very intense character, deep dive focused storylines and taking something like City of Bane, which could have been a gimmicky villain, you know, event and making it into this intense study of Batman's character and Catwoman's character and how they fit together and and all this stuff. Last issue was the one that kind of got us with the flashback with that showing that the designer early in Batman's career had met with four of his main rogues, Catwoman, Penguin, Riddler and Joker. And designer's power was basically being able to kind of exponentially improve his own criminal, you know, prowess and, and kind of outthink his detective competitor that it was always on his tail. And so he was kind of helping these four rogues of Gotham come up with their ultimate plans. And that's kind of the secret that this whole thing kind of wraps around that's been kind of doled out to us a little bit at a time. So we figured out that in the last issue, the big reveal was that Catwoman's whole scheme was to steal the biggest fortune she could get her hand off instead of just stealing diamonds at a time. Like why not steal them all? And that scheme was to steal the Wayne family fortune and control of that whole thing. Penguins was to what to become mayor or a political figure. In yeah. Gotham? To essentially like do almost like a, just a high yield laundering scheme and like essentially to kind of own the city on all the underground stuff. The big thing that kind of was a twist in it is when he got to Joker's plan, Joker's Joker, and whatever designer kind of came up with him, you know, it it threatened him enough that he tried to kill Joker, Catwoman, Riddler, Penguin, and was unsuccessful, and they thought they killed him, but uh, obviously the guy's back now. And so what he's basically doing is using all of their best schemes 
he's enacting them himself. So now he's trying to steal the Wayne family fortune. He's taking political control. And in this new issue, we got kind of Joker's side of the story and kind of what, in a, in a way that only works for Joker. In, right? Yes. And I actually enjoyed <laughs> that scene. And this was like the f- first time I've actually, where I feel like Tinian is kind of relaxing into this and having some fun with it in a way, because I felt everything was all like chest puffing before. It's just like, I can do a great story. Like, here's a bunch of stuff. Like, this was just like a good scene to open the book with Joker having gone to this bar and like invaded this bar and like killed one bartender who wasn't and basically holding this other at gunpoint while he tells him a story. Yeah. And in this story is a big reveal about what conversation and how with designer and what that was all about. And basically Joker reveals spoilers, spoilers for Batman 91. Is there anybody here who doesn't want spoilers on that? No, nah, go ahead. All right. So basically we find out that, Joker's conversation with him, Joker was studying this guy as this guy's studying Joker. And what Joker kind of figured out was, you know, as he puts it in so many Joker ways that he was talking to, you know, the devil himself is kind of how he refers to it is, you know, the the ultimate schemer. He kind of, the Joker, when he was talking to him, realizing who this guy was, decided that his ultimate goal would be to become the devil himself, which basically, again, he wanted to be who Designer was, which naturally explains, you know, he was going to kill Designer and take his place. Surprising, right, for Joker? Now this kind of has twisted in what me and Matt kind of said, and Matt, you can take over here in a minute because I'm just tired of talking, but... uh. <laughs> It, <laughs> it is basically, I, I told you, hey, I don't like listening to me. So I like to listen to you guys when I listen back to these. Um, so basically, now we were worried that Joker War was just going to be this kind of empty villain gimmick and the antithesis of like what City of Bane was. But there is a case now being made that there is something deeper to this story about how whatever Joker's definition of becoming the devil himself means, the ultimate schemer, like whatever. And how that's going to play out in Joker War. So now I'm actually curious about this. How about you, Maddie? Yeah, like, and I and I feel you nailed it. With like, it feels like he's he's settling in. The first few issues felt like a lot of pomp and circumstance. Of okay, here's here's a bunch of new characters, and here's a bunch of new gadgets, and here's a bunch of like, you know what I mean? It was it was very much like, and I can't even say like I can't really put a. Uh, like, I wouldn't have done that because if I was writing Batman, like, the first thing I would do is, like, you know, oh, I'm going to change the costume to what I wanted it to always be. And I'm going to introduce all this stuff. Like, it was very much like a, a kid in a candy store type of thing of just, like, picking all this stuff and finally doing it. And now we're actually starting to get some of the meat here, which is, essentially like, I feel like that first four page thing with Joker uh, is some of the best Joker stuff that has been in here since his run started and it's very much like hey like i saw that he was trying to essentially he was telling all these villains like i can make you better and essentially he was just trying to get rid of them because he wanted them to basically clean everybody else off the board so that he could then just take out four people instead of having to take out like 90 like that was his ultimate plan and he saw through that and was like, no, I want to do what you do. And that that is paints this whole Joker War thing not as a thing of, oh, it's Batman versus the Joker. It paints it as, oh, it's designer and whatever group he's assembled versus Joker and all his thing vying to be this like criminal 
you know, ruler of Gotham and Batman and specifically, now as they say, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the panel with no, the other crooks he gathered are for to take out all the wise because with Riddler <laughs> would take out all the wise men, Penguin would take out all the powerful men and Catwoman would take out all the wealthy people. Yeah. So no smart, powerful or wealthy people <laughs> left protecting Gotham. And like, that's brilliant. I thought that was like, okay. And that, and that also gives credit to Joker. Now, granted, there's that whole thing of like, okay, do you, do you believe Joker all the way? Cause he is insane. He's a little crazy. So, you know, but it gives you that just enough question and you view him as a threat more than just this wild card on the board. And I, and I think it also puts Batman in an interesting position that we see here that like, one, Batman is going to make some interesting allies along the way, like we see with Deathstroke, and that whole fight sort of turned team up, very Arkham Origins. There was uh, a moment of Tom Kingness in there that I liked, because yes. he, they're having this epic action sequence, he's fighting Deathstroke, like falling off rooftops and stuff um, across Gotham, but they're also having this very deep conversation, <laughs> and yeah. the conversation is is one that actually gets under Batman's skin, because, you know, as only Slade Wilson probably could do. Um, Because he calls him out as being basically the guy who started pulling out bigger and bigger guns in Gotham. You know, the Dark Knight stuff, right? Like, you, we were just crooks, and then you took it to this. And then now everybody just keeps trying to outdo you because every time you beat them, or every time we come back, you you beat us down with some bigger bat thing. And so we have to do something crazier to try to take you out and... And Batman basically says, like, you're right. I F this all up. Like, you know, and that gets kind of deep. Yeah, it was it was great. And then also a uh, surprising little twist at the end with uh, Batman Forever Riddler coming into the mix of like being on <laughs> designers team. Uh, so that's interesting. And again, it's I feel like we're getting to a point where, OK, Joker War as a whole and Tom King kind of did. A take on this with his uh, war, I believe it was called War of Jokes and Reels, if I'm not mangling that uh, title. But he kind of did a run during his thing where it was this war battle between Joker and Riddler. But it was different. It, w- it was it didn't feel like this. Uh, and this is, I got to say, this is really starting to win me over. There are some interesting and promising ideas. As long as we don't, again, if, if we just keep going down this organic path, I'm cool with it. If we... If we get back to when Punchline is introduced as a real character and we start to learn more things about her, as long as it is not just a novelty and she's, you know, an actual interesting character and fits into this storyline well. I also like the Catwoman Harley stuff. I think that's interesting. Um, then we're good. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. And I think next issue is the big pivotal one where we're going to see the introduction of uh, Punchline. Yeah. So, yeah, we're gonna, I mean, that's going to see set the tone for how this whole event is going to go, I think. So. So far, pleasantly surprised. Uh, yeah. Anybody else had anything for that? Yeah, yeah. More of a question for you, Matt, or I guess anyone can answer, but there's a lot of talk about who the designer could really be. Do you think that could be another villain in disguise? I was, at first, I thought, like, they kind of, it felt like they were playing up the thing of, like, this is a new character. As as we get further and further, you know, I feel like at some point, like, they even gave us a whole backstory, right? And so, like, that I, at first, I kind of took that on face value. Now, as we kind of get more into this, I feel like at some point we'll find out like that that person was a character that was already, you know what I mean? I think uh, so too. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I feel like that's the it's going to be the <laughs> Arkham Knight Jason Todd thing of like, oh so no no no, it's not anybody, card. and that it is the guy who trained Batman. <laughs> uh, All so, yeah, right. Anyway. 
Yeah. Hey, importantly, I think I'm back. <laughs> oh, there she is. Oh, uh, I know. Megan's back. I know. It's amazing. I was trying uh, to like talk while Kofi was talking and I was so upset because I was like, am I just being ignored? And then I realized my mic had just spastically freaked out, but I'm back. <laughs> well, Hello. okay. We'll give you 30 seconds. It's a 30 second lightning round. All right. Uh, all any I other say, anime manga stuff you want to? Yeah. All I want to say really quickly is Kofi did an amazing job pitching. Everything he says is stuff I recommend. So if you want to access uh, manga very easily, uh, obviously Comixology is a great place to go. Um, but most importantly, if you go through Viz Media, they do have a digital Shonen Jump Vault. And so you can read the f- most recent four chapters of every series currently in the vault. But for $12 a month, basically, or something like that, it's insanely cheap. You get unlimited access to all of the manga in the vault it's like tens of thousands of chapters you can read up to 100 chapters a day there has literally never been a better time to subscribe to that service so if you want to read all the manga from bleach to to naruto to whatever it is there it is there to read and we highly recommend you do so yeah it's worth it it is it is a subscription that is definitely worth it all right thanks megan um all right let's go you guys got about like three to five minutes why don't you guys break down your impressions of resident evil 3's re-release demo it's terrifying <laughs> okay i have a question for you guys quickly so so we played this it was very short i should say um, yes we did mm-hmm. it in like 25 minutes and that's with looking around like aggressively to find everything um but I will say, visually, it's amazing, and it makes me pretty excited about what they're going to do with the next two games. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Megan? I mean, Nemesis, right? Like, he's horrifying. Yeah. Like, genuinely, absolutely. genuinely has some jump scares there. And, like, I am not beholden to the Resident Evil franchise, but my boyfriend is, and he was just, like, drooling over it. Um, I'm too scared of these things, but this thing <laughs> got me good. It looks great. Like, it was way too short, though. I could have just played it for, like, an hour. But very excited. I will absolutely be getting this. Yeah, so, like, it, it is interesting that uh, it is short. Like, you can do the whole thing uh, relatively, like, probably 20. I mean, you could probably honestly do it in 15. But, like, 20, 25 minutes. And at one point, it actually seems like when you get to the subway uh, control system, it kind of seems like you should be able to do something else. <laughs> And then, yeah. like, it's just arbitrarily cut off. Um, but, uh, you know, I went through, um, well, one, I died relatively quickly, like, just early on because I, it took me a minute to get used to the controls. They feel a little floatier uh, than RE2 Remake. Um, like, you essentially have to let the reticle sit um, on somebody, on a, on a zombie, and, like, it has like a one or two second delay and then it'll do this thing where the reticle shrinks and that's when you can get like a critical hit. Um, but again, you're not like, it's not auto aim, so you're not guaranteed. But even if you're just waiting for that, like I found a, a couple times, like, you know, it just didn't quite, the bullet wasn't going where I thought it would go. Like the reticle was there and, and it felt like there was just like a little something off, especially just playing RE2 Remake recently. Like that one is so refined and it feels like your bullets are going exactly where you feel like they should. And here it was a little, it was a little weird. So, um, but that part aside, like uh, the demo's really fun. Like the graphics are gorgeous. I'm interested to see what they, the RE3 is one of my favorite Resident Evil games, um, aside from Code Veronica, which I adore. Going through here, I like the changes to the Nemesis. Like, it there was a genuine when you come out of the cafe 
and he's like right there and like bum rushes you and you're on the ground and then like he's like he'll send that tentacle thing after you and pull you towards him like there is a a a rush of like oh my god like i'm going to get creamed i can't do anything and like you have the shotgun but you only have four bullets (laughs) so like four shells um so i mean this played really well there's also a couple of little unlockables um like you'll find those little uh bobbleheads stowed throughout the level that you shoot um you know, you don't get anything for him here, but I, I'm sure in the full game you'll get either an achievement or something else. Um, but it's it was really fun. Like, I I really enjoyed this. It felt good. I, I would hope. I mean, there's not much time between full release and the demo. So I imagine the gun mechanic is going to stay the same as far as the aiming. Um, also important to note that the resistance uh, beta is also up for download. So it doesn't come live yet. Uh, it's going to go live uh, in a few days or a week or something like that, I believe. But um you can actually go ahead and get it pre-installed on your system which that one is a blast uh just from playing that last time so i'm excited to play that again so yeah anybody else resident evil 3 real quick you got like a 10 second spot to say something no but for anyone interested it's totally worth trying it's free and it's available as of today on pc ps4 and xbox one it releases in full i think on april 3rd if i'm correct Yes, it's scary and you'll love it. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank everybody for tuning in once again and hope we've provided you with a little bit of a fun distraction right now. Hope everybody's doing okay and kind of uh, chilling out on lockdown, not going too stir crazy. But we'll be back with you with another episode every Wednesday and every Friday here on comicbook.com where you can subscribe to our RSS feed of new episodes. Yeah, I got somebody text blowing me up. I got to stop this person. Do not disturb me right now. Like, what, do you know I'm not doing a show outro? Like, oh my god. The world's supposed to be isolation, and yet I can't get away. But uh, there you can subscribe to our RSS feed and get regular updates about Comic Book Nation. If you are just uh, getting into... Oh, I just did that part. Oh my god, this person has just ruined my outro. If you want to talk to us about anything on the show, you can always find us at the hashtag Comic Book Nation, or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. Matt, where are you at? Oh, I was going to let Megan do it, but uh, I'm Matt Aguilar CB. You can find me on Twitter at Megan Peters CB. And Rob Keys, where can we find you, buddy? Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Rob underscore Keys. That's K-E-Y-E-S. If you want to listen to Comic Book Nation, we are on your favorite podcast listening platforms. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Google Playlists, and iHeartRadio. If you miss our faces, old episodes of the show before the lockdowns, are up on the uh, comicbook.com YouTube page. That'll do it for this episode. We're going to get out of here, but uh, Matt has to say his name one more time because we didn't get you there, buddy. I'm getting notes from the booth. So, Matt, tell people where they can find you one more time. (laughs) At Matt Aguilar CB. All right, now we're really getting out of here. This is Comic Book Nation. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Thanks for having me.